Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today we are diving into Ojas, the subtle essence of Kapha. So we are going to round out our series today on the subtle body. And if you um, are new to the podcast, I chatted all about prana and how it's associated with vata a little bit earlier, and tejas and how it's associated with pitta. Now we're going to talk about ojas and how it's associated with kapha. And so the subtle body is the connection between the body and consciousness. It can't be seen and it's more felt than anything. So it can be one that's hard to describe or maybe to the Western mind, if you're not familiar with kind of going in there and just trusting the instincts, it can be one that's hard to conceptualize or really put to, um, you know, measurement, I guess, if you're someone who likes to have the studies and likes to have the backing of um, all of the research, this is not going to be something that is going to be easily researched. It's going to be really felt and it's going to be different on individual basis. So Ojas today is something that maybe you've talked about or heard about in a yoga teacher training. This might be more of a term that is more familiar for people. It's one that I've done a podcast um, episode on, you know, diving into ojas and how to build them up because it is our vital energy. It's that cosmic substance. It's a cosmic fluid. It brings about the effects of aging and longevity in the body and mind. It's a vital force that lives within us. And it's the ability to stick to our own code of ethics. So with this ojas, that energy, it can be really felt. It's again, it's when we feel depleted and just kind of like, ugh we probably are are a little low in ojas. So for myself, like I'm getting over this kind of my set, well now eight month old, um, caught hand, foot, mouth. And then my older ones had this cough that's just been kind of lingering. So of course I caught some sort of virus and primarily it's just in my throat, a little bit of a sore throat, but because of that, my ojas are probably a little depleted. My eight month old was not sleeping. He slept horrible for a week. And I knew In Ayurveda, if you start to lose sleep, that's when we tend to get sick because sleep is really helpful in preventing um, illness in the body. And so I knew after many nights of not sleeping more than about two hours, I was in trouble. And of course my body, you know, started to break down and I could feel the throat, you know, getting sore and I had the body aches. And so for myself, I was like, okay, I need to build up my ojas. I need to help get this inflammation down. And I'll share a little bit towards the end about what foods I started to incorporate a little bit more of and how I kind of helped um, find myself back into balance there. But let's talk about three practices for ojas. So every um, subtle dosha, I kind of chatted about three different ways that you can build up these practices. Mana is the first one. And I have done a whole podcast episode all about mana and my love for this practice. And it really is just being in a practice of stillness. It's in essence, you know, practicing being quiet and just stillness with some intention behind it. So you might set aside some time in your day to just sit and be with yourself, not necessarily meditating, just being with your own thoughts, with your own um, body. And this might be something that you practice daily. It could be once a week, it could be once a month. Um, If you're going to do it daily, I would start with just five to 10 minutes, and then you might do this at a set time point in your day. So for me, it works out well after I put my boys to sleep. And if I don't have any clients that night or work, I need to do that night um, before I go to bed, I might just sit for five or 10 minutes. 
This could be something you introduce as a half day retreat seasonally with yourself. So maybe you do a half or a full retreat. Personally, I love the arc retreat. When I stayed at the Hermitage, this would have been a great practice to do there because you can let them know, um, Hey, I'm going to be, um, practicing silence this retreat. They honor that. And they just drop off food into your, into your Hermitage at the front step. And then you don't have to interact with them. So you can keep practicing that stillness and that mana. So you really want to get thoughtful on how you want to practice this and how you need to set up your environment to practice this. So personally for me being a breastfeeding mama still that I would not be able to do a half day retreat. I have not pumped enough to have that on, you know, to, to store up here. This would be something that's not realistic right now, you know, in a year or so for sure. But right now it's just not going to happen. So how could I maybe do that on a daily basis? It might look like those five or 10 minutes in the evening. All right. So after you've practiced mana, another idea, and this is something that we all can practice, satsangya. And that is being aware of who you spend your time with. Oges can be depleted from you rather quickly if you're spending time with people who are draining your energy. And I know we've all felt those, those energy vampires where you spend some time with them and you leave and you're more exhausted. You don't feel like your cup was filled up. You feel like, you know, you might've poured into someone and then they just really took from you. So noticing how do we feel with certain people? And for myself, like I had a client years ago now, she was a personal training client and she was someone that just drained me. And I went from, um, she was hiding me from her husband too. It was really an awkward situation. Like I remember being at her house and we were training and, um, her husband, I guess was coming home early. He texted her. And so she was like, we gotta go. So we had to go drive to a park down the street to finish our training session. Um, so it was just really weird. And she would pay me in cash. She wouldn't tell him. And then she would complain because she didn't have a job. Once she got a job, she would complain that she had a job. And I just left feeling depleted. And now at that time, I didn't know, I hadn't studied, I guess, enough of Ayurveda or yoga, even boundaries with clients. I just said yes to everyone. And so after I had my first son, um, I, I just chose not to, to email her back when I came back to taking clients on because it was just not in alignment with what I wanted going forward. And I knew being in that postpartum state, I only wanted to work with those clients who really filled my cup up as well as I fill their cup up, I hope. And so for me, that was just not an energetic alignment anymore. And so that is how you can take care of it. If it is on a client basis, obviously if it's someone in your family, it's a completely different situation. It's going to be harder to deal with. It's going to be one that you're going to have to set up some stricter boundaries with, and um, it's going to require probably a little bit more work on your part. Um, and just explaining to them, which might not come across well to the family member, same thing with a friend, you know, you might be able to slowly pull back from hanging out with this friend and they might kind of slowly get the hint. but those are going to be a little bit more tricky of situations, but really paying attention. We all again, know, and we probably have all had those people that really feel like they drain us. So, um, how can you be aware of that? Because it is depleting our ojas on a subtle level. And then our last practice is Santosha. And if you're familiar with the Yamas and the Niyamas, this is the second of the Niyamas in Pantajali's Eight Limbs of Yoga. And it means contentment. Practice being content in your life, no matter the circumstances. 
And oh, how hard this can feel at times. I mean, can you be contempt as things are not going well? Can you be contempt as you are trying to maybe build a business or trying to reach your goals or maybe achieve a, a dream of winning a race or changing your body or changing your habits? Can you be content in that process, in the journey? And I would say that is probably the trickiest part is finding contentment when we might not feel so content in our lives. Um, so that is a process that can take a lot of time. And it's something that you might need to bring your awareness to every single day. Can I find contentment in my day? Can I find contentment in this moment? Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's something that I don't know if I can necessarily explain it more than that. I think we all probably have those situations where we can kind of think about and say, yeah, this is hard to be content in this journey. I will just say, um, let's, I'll, I'll pull up like postpartum. That's hard to find contentment when we don't necessarily feel like ourselves or our body is, is, is still adjusting. And, you know, we, we feel just awkward in this stage maybe, um, or the sleepless nights, all of that. Can you find contentment there? And it can be really tricky, um, in different phases of your life. So I just wanted to finish kind of with just a note on ojas because we might have heard about ojas and associating with food. So according to Ayurvedic texts, it takes about five to seven days for food to transform into one layer of tissue. We have seven layers of tissue. So for ojas to transform through all seven layers in Ayurveda, it's believed to be about 30 to 45 days based on your personal Agni to transform that food into ojas. And that essence of that seventh tissue is called ojas, and it's related to the reproductive tissues, shukra and artava. Now, that being said, I will say from a, a personal training, from a fitness standpoint, totally can see this in action. If you have, if you are a personal trainer, if you've been a trainer, if you, um, if you've worked out, you probably have noticed this. It does take about 30 to 45 days before you start to notice any change in the body. So often what I used to see, um, when I did more personal training was people would stick to something maybe for a week, they wouldn't see a change and then they would stop those habits or people would stick to it. Maybe for a couple of weeks, you might see some changes, but it wasn't sustainable long-term for them because they might've done too drastic of things and then backslid. And then the most extreme, I actually had one client who I said, I wouldn't recommend this, but here's what you can do if, you know, she really wanted to lose, like it was eight pounds in a month. And I said, that's quite drastic because she didn't have a ton of weight to lose. She did lose the eight pounds and she couldn't sustain it because the, the habits that she did to get herself to lose those eight pounds were unrealistic for a sustained lifestyle. They were really just cutthroat. And so this is where I can really see it coming from that personal training vantage point. I usually would tell clients, you know, that 30 to 45 day mark. That's why I like to work with people for three to six months in the personal training side of things. And I just have opened up my personal training for postpartum. So if you are postpartum, it's my baby. That's my sweet spot. I have done postpartum personal training since 2007. I love it. Those are my favorite um, clients to work with, honestly, for personal training is is my mama's. And I have still have, you know, three mamas that I work with that are, you know, four to seven years postpartum now. Um, but we still train together because, you know, 
I, we've just built that bond through that postpartum period. And I just feel like those three to six months are so needed because it takes time to rebuild our tissues. It takes time to rebuild the body and build up these ojas. And so when we think about this, we got to think, what did I, what was I eating the last 30 to 45 days? That's what's coming to fruition right now in my body. So if you're feeling depleted, if you're feeling um, out of sorts, uh, it might be, Hey, what did I do the last 30 to 45 days? Was there some stressors in there where there's some foods that wasn't great? Was there some travel? Um, or like in my case here, obviously having no sleep for a week, that's going to do it too. You might have more of an acute thing that happens. Um, but that in general is something that I look for when I'm working with clients of like, okay, what are we doing those 30 to 45 days now? Some foods are believed to transform ojas a bit faster, according to Ayurveda, within 24 hours of being consumed. There's not many, but there are a few. So these are also why I recommend these foods for postpartum time. Ghee is one of them. How is milk, but it needs to be warm. Dates, and then almonds, which I wouldn't recommend right away postpartum but almonds need to be soaked and blanched according to Ayurveda. So you also need to make sure you're soaking them and blanching them before you eat them. So with that, like the warm milk, milk, I have found for me, I've done my, I've done cream milk, full fat, full cream. And I've been heating that up at night and having a cup. I put some ghee in there. I put dates in there and then I throw a little bit of cinnamon um, and then shatavari. And that's been my postpartum kind of tonic that I've been enjoying. And those are all believed to be good at building up ojas. And so that is actually what I was having as my throat was feeling a little sticky. Like, what can I do to build up ojas? Well, let me make sure I'm having my milk tonic at night. Um, I was doing a castor oil pack to help reduce down that inflammation, gargling salt and turmeric warm water to help again, reduce that inflammation. So those are just little ways that we can kind of build up ojas in, um, in our bodies. And so that's one of the personal ways that I kind of like to tune in is just pausing and noticing what is my body craving right now? And if it is like a, a more, um, full fat, uh, like ghee and that milk and dates, I'm not afraid to add those to my diet. Whereas in the past, I might've been a little bit more weary just because, you know, I'm a, I'm a child who grew up primarily in the eighties and nineties. And what were we feared to um, face was fat. Like, I don't know if my mom even has full fat butter still, because that's just so programmed into like the diet culture of the nineties. And so for me, having come full circle, I'm realizing how much my body craves it and actually really enjoys it. And it helps me think better as well, which all we all know postpartum is something that sometimes we need that extra boost. So in conclusion, building up ojas, it takes time you know, it really does. It takes some time to build up the ojas and all of these practices are subtle in nature because it's building up that subtle essence in the body. So notice they're not something big. They're not something tangible. It's hard to study because it is so just small on this grand scale of things. And so they're not sexy. They're not stuff that, you know, you might be observing in a lab. Um, I also have found, I've been following this person and she has a PhD and she's in her twenties, I think maybe late twenties, but she is so, um, I guess probably pitta by nature, but very much in her head, not necessarily body only believes things if they come through a study. And I just find I'm 
just the complete opposite. I might've used to, maybe I was like that at some point, maybe, I don't even know if I've ever been fully. Yes. Because the study said, so this is what it must be. That's just not how I'm programmed anymore. I don't need it to be in a study. Um, sometimes I'm skeptical, I suppose, of the studies. Where did it come from? Where did the funding come from? But for me to like really dive into these practices, that's why I found yoga and Ayurveda to be so blissful and intuitive in nature because it's it we can't blanket um, state that these are going to be great for every single person in every single situation. Because honestly, if someone's dealing with anxiety and is having troubles um, being with themselves, a practice of mana might not be great. They might need to be doing something um, a little bit more uh, like meditation with a actual track in the background, going to maybe a yoga class where they are sitting with people so they don't feel like stuff could come up, maybe doing it in a therapist's office. Like there are different times where these things might not be great for you. Same with your, you know, being aware of who you spend time with. Maybe it's someone that you love dearly. And if you don't spend time or you spend a lot of time with them and you love them, but they're draining you, but without them, you know, you're going to be really lonely. That might not be a good time to ditch them if that is your only person. So that's where I'm just saying all of these, they come with caveats. That's why you can't blanket studies stuff and throw it across the board. It's just, it's not realistic in my opinion. So my challenge to you would be starting to notice how these subtle practices transform your life, you know, on either larger or smaller scales, just really pay attention. How does this feel on my body? What are the practices calling to me this week? All right. Thank you all so much and go out there and spread your peaceful power.